I'm going to remind everyone to go to HankStrange.com. That's where you can go to. Sign up for our email list over there. Check out all the different ways you could support us. You can see all the different platforms we're on. We're getting deplatformed here and there. Still haven't gotten our Facebook back. We have the we have a backup Facebook, so it's um, HankStrange.com. The .com spelled out, so Facebook slash HankStrange.com. You guys could uh, go follow us there. They deleted our Facebook page and refused to give it back to us and won't tell us why. So there you go. I think we're, we're I think we're rolling through to everyone. I am going to drop the open right now. Welcome Bam! back. To the Hank Strange situation. There it goes. Don't forget Lifestyles to subscribe to the channel. Thumbs up. Ring the bell so you can be notified every time we go live. We have a new guest here. Jason of Lucid Optics is joining us. Jason, we do jazz hands over here. Just like, this is how we break up the thing. There we go. Okay, Jason's giving us jazz hands. We also have Daniel Gun Doctor TV in the house joining us um, with a charred Baby Yoda, which we will show a little bit. Well, maybe. We'll see. Is it charred? Is the Baby Yoda... What happened? If you haven't seen the video, you gotta look at the video. You might have lost a few hair. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So we are live. I hope you got your big girl panties on. This is episode five hundred and twenty-four of the Who Move My Freedom podcast with our special guest. There he goes, Jason of Lucid Optics, joining us from Lucid Optics. I'm assuming. There he goes. That's right. Yes. With uh, iced tea in 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 a nice glass over there, I guess that's yeah. Yes, definitely iced tea. We'll, yeah, we'll call it we'll call it that. <laughs> and then also, as I said, <laughs> Daniel Gun Doctor TV is also here. What's up, Daniel? How's it going? Good, good, good. Um, so welcome, welcome back to the show. Welcome to the show for the first time, Jason. Um, great having you on, man. Thanks for coming on. It's been a while. Too easy. Love to be here. Yes, absolutely. If you have a lucid optic, well, I've got a lucid optic. I'm going to throw mine right there. That's my HD7 right there in the house. My Daniel, no lucid optics. Well, you didn't you didn't you didn't know we were having lucid optics. We're going to have to you need to get a lucid optic. I do. I do. Daniel, absolutely. So, I don't know how much you guys all know. Oh, is this the new Let's take let's take another look. I'm, I've just put you full screen. Let's take a look at that one. So what are you showing here? This is our new M7. The new M7. It's a small micro red dot sight. Extremely bright, thirty percent faster than a standard dot. Very. You cool. saw this shot. Yes, I did. I saw. Yeah, I saw lots of cool things actually. It shot. Um, you have a very like I thought it was awesome, amazing. The spotting scope and binoculars. These are the binoculars right here. Check that out. Uh, what are the which what's the designation for the binoculars? We have eight by forty twos and ten by forty twos, both sporting ED glass, so exceptionally clear. Oh, okay, and um, and then you've got the spotting scope. There it goes. This this looks like a small spotting scope, very powerful. I was yeah. like actually amazed by this. So, um, yeah, you guys, we, you know, this is basically we're gonna we're gonna get into optics. We're gonna if you don't know about optics. Jason's gonna uh, teach us. He's gonna learn us something about optics. Yeah, we can go through it. We can go through by category because we pretty much cover the gamut right now, with the exception of the the infrared and the thermal spectrum. We don't do that yet. Oh, okay. Oh, not yet. Yeah, not oh. yet. Oh. But from the red dot side to the rifle scope side, all the way through to now observation side, we're covering the, the gamut of 
what we would consider sports optics. All right, very awesome. Uh, and I and I totally forgot this. It's a good thing I'm wearing the hat, and I just saw the hat on my head, and it reminded me the show was brought to us by Franklin Armory. <laughs> Shout out. <laughs> Shout out to the Franklin Armory guys. You know, they make binary triggers um, and, and lots of outside of the box uh, guns, which I know some people will say, oh, no, I don't need a gun that does that. OK, if your butt doesn't get out there, vote, pay attention to what's going on. Call up uh, your various representatives. You might need some of it. But I think they make cool stuff anyway. So that's. That's my opinion on that. If you're into if you're into Franklin Armory stuff, um, and and Daniel, you know, do you know what do you know about optics? I know a little bit. I mean, been shooting pretty much since I was a young lad. And, oh, okay. You're from Kentucky. Yeah. That's why I'm checking. I, you know, yeah. you never know. The Kentucky yeah. guys might only know about like windage. <laughs> Kentucky, windage. yeah, a little bit. <laughs> I, I'm actually a. I was actually a sharpshooter on our police uh, SRT team. Oh, oh, okay, cool, cool. What What is this you're holding up, Jason? No, I'm measuring the knowledge base. I'm getting at him right now. Oh, <laughs> oh, that's a it. Bit, a little bit. A little bit. A little bit. Yeah. yeah, a little bit. Yeah, a little We're bit. We're good. Uh, that's it's more than me. It's more than me. So, <laughs> that's. I mean, he's a professional user, so that gives him a little bit. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely, yes. So, okay, we'll get into that. Let me see. Lewis555 says, where can I buy a new red dot? So if the folks out there are looking for Lucid Optics, where can they get their hands on Lucid Optics, Jason? Well, we're distributed through RSR, so any of the mom-and-pop dealers can get their hands on them pretty easy. Go to the counter and ask. Outside that, um, Optics Planet, I have lots of sellers on Amazon. Um, RW Arms, you can go find that pretty much is a pretty easy search on the Internet. Oh, okay. And I think Jason also, uh, no, hold on. Who was that? The, uh, Lewis also wanted to know if there's a, any kind of promo code. Maybe, maybe, maybe we'll, we'll twist Jason's arm here. We'll get a promo I can code. generate one. Yeah. Yeah. We'll see. See, we can get that going here in a minute. Here. Yeah, absolutely. See, if you guys, are, if you guys are very nice to him, we'll get a code. So <laughs> we'll see. So there we go. I've known Jason, Jason, I probably, how long have I known you? At least like five, six years at this point, I think. You and I met eight years ago at the Blue August event. Eight years. Jeez. Okay, time, yeah, time yeah. flies. In a minute. <laughs> wow, was that eight years ago? <laughs> yeah. Shout out to all those people. The Blue August event still happening out there, right? I get a promo code. Yeah. Call it 20% off. Um, it's going to be yeah. strange. Yeah. Strange yeah. one. Okay, when do you get that done? Anytime in the next two hours. Yeah. See, look at that. See, that's what happens when you talk to the CEO. There you go. Right now. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Happening right now. Uh, let me see. I'm trying to get questions. Daniel, if you see any questions from the people in there, and I get caught up, if you see any questions in the chat, because I don't know if Jason can see the chat or not. I cannot see the chat. Yeah. But that's okay. Yeah. You guys can drive. Yeah. Well, yeah, absolutely. We'll get those to you. Uh, let me see. What was the question that was coming through? Um, oh, uh, James Lawson wants, wanted to know, what do you have for 300 blackout? Um, well, that depends on the rifle. What are we doing with it? Is it a pistol? Is it a SBR? Or we actually got a rifle. What are we doing? Yeah, there you go. So well, let us know, James. We, pistol, um, we would, you know, we'd go... Anything from Little Mo, which is a new RMR site, 
through the M7. Yeah. Which we've already seen. So so uh, little Mo goes on like a pistol, right? A handgun, or can it go? Right. Can it go on something higher up from a handgun, or just just? Absolutely, we we have them on shotguns and carbines as well. Oh, okay. Nice. All right. Just a nice compact little bitty red dot sight. Oh, okay. Very cool. Um, so let's SBR to carbine. Uh, I recommend going with a P7. P7. Okay. Oh. It's a prismatic. It's four times magnified, glass-edged reticle. Mm -hmm. But the reticle in there works with both supers and subs really nicely. Oh, okay. All right. Very good. Did you have a question, Daniel? Uh, no, no. Okay. So okay. let us let me start here. Let's basically, um, you know, if you can introduce yourself to the folks out there, if there's, some, if there's folks who don't know who you are and what Lucid Optics is, if you could tell them who you are, how you started the company, how long ago. Just that kind of stuff. Start us, you know, start us off in the beginning here. Too easy. Hey guys, Jason Wilson here with Lucid Optics. Um, Lucid Optics was born in 2009. I was the casualty of a layoff at another outdoor gear company. And in Riverton, Wyoming, there's not a lot of space for a guy that's not doing his own thing. Mm -hmm. So here I am. I was a three-gun competitor and I started out the world making a better red dot sight for a budget guy. Um, there was a lot of guys in the, a lot of brands, I should say, in the market that were in the high-end military class or the novelty class. Lucid Optics is right now neither. We are working into the owner of the middle ground. We offer a high-quality product for an affordable price. Okay? Um, and so our HD7 was born. That was the one that you have there on your desk, Hank. That's mm -hmm. the HD7. Right. That I'll, I'll show that to you guys right here. Ben. Two years. Mm -hmm. We started out and we had the one item for two years. And over time, we listen to our customers. We make the designs and developments that they ask for. And nothing at Lucid's designed in a vacuum. It's all done by shooters who actually go and do with their equipment. So there's no feature and benefit on any of our optics that they're about to stake. Okay? Okay. And I insist on the highest level quality for the absolute best price period sometimes that means i can manufacture it here in the u.s sometimes that means i have to do it offshore at the end of the day my customer is the winner we have a lifetime warranty so if there's ever an issue with a lucid optics item we take care of it. it's that simple awesome awesome so um I'm, and and uh, basically, as we go through all of this stuff tonight, I'll try to get uh, I'll try to get prices and stuff like that for you guys. Um, let me let me get this comment up from Flying Rich. He says uh, he gave us a couple of bucks here. He says, "What fits on a Ruger 5.7? Are you familiar okay. with the Ruger 5.7 pistol, Jason?" I am very familiar. Okay. I want to get a little more. A little more. So there you go. Um, so does this does Little Mo fit in the pattern of another optic that already exists out there? Um, yes. Okay. So it's a very widely accepted footprint, Doctor Optic or the Burr's Fast Fire footprint. They're identical, and so is ours. So it fits on a very universal mounting system. You can find plates for most anything out there already on the market. We're designing some for our own, but you can get one now today. It comes with a Picatinny rail mount. So if you have a rail on your gun, you can use it. But um, if you have a very specific platform or you have a slide cut, if it's cut for either of those, you're good to go. Okay, very cool. Um, uh, so let me see here. I've got some other. I've got another quick question that I'm going to get to. 
before we uh, get into it here. Uh, Johnny Kamikaze Daniel says, I want to hear about the gundock. I want to hear the gundock talk about um, being a sharpshooter, please. So, Daniel, yeah, how did, what was, what's the backstory there before we get into talking about the optics with Jason? Well, I was on the PD a few years, and uh, turns out I was a pretty decent shooter, so they invited me to go to train and get, get all trained. I was never actually, I never actually did anything, so oh, okay. I never got to use Okay. Well, I mean, that's not that's that's not bad, right? That's a yeah, that's a good thing that you didn't have to, but you got trained up. Okay. You got trained up for sh for shooting long distance, and, and I'm guessing you continued even. Well, though, yeah. That that's the thing with uh, with uh, law enforcement sharpshooting. Mm -hmm. You don't really long distance. Okay. So we were shooting, you know, a hundred yards, you know, in. So. Okay. But really. Not past 100 yards a whole lot. Oh, okay. So even the snipers aren't shooting past that too often? Right. Oh, okay. Right. That's interesting, yeah. Um, I know, like, SWAT guys tell me, and I don't know what you've heard, Jason. You probably would know better than me. But when I talk to SWAT guys, they're supposed to have their um, their stuff zeroed at 10 yards. I With law enforcement, I see a lot of uh, close quarter zeroing because of the close course engagements. I mean, they are a overwatch or a backup for the most part in a lot of situations. Mm -hmm. And 250 yard engagement is a long engagement in an urban environment. It just is. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I see a lot of guys have close quarters zeroing. I don't hear of anything that's really been 10 yards, but I see a lot of 25 and what I call 50 yard engagements. Mm -hmm. uh, if your zero is there, most of the time with a firearm like that, you're pretty close inside your range of operation. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, let me see. So my my first question that I would have here, Daniel, feel free to jump in if you have one. Um, where are Lucid optics made? I know you. I think you talked about this briefly in the in, you know when you just introduced yourself. But where's ev yeah. is everything made outside of America? No, okay. it's not. Okay. Um, we, we do assemble what we can here. Okay. Uh, we do manufacture what we can here. Um, some of the red dot items um, are actually final assembled here. Uh, all the rifle scope items, the, the high-end glass, all that stuff's ground offshore. Okay. It doesn't make sense to bring it back and assemble it here just because some of the EPA regulations upon what we do with glass doesn't make sense mm -hmm. or cost-effective decision-making. Mm -hmm. um, so... The official line with Lucid Optics and where we're made is we are designed and engineered right here in Riverton, Wyoming. Okay, we are prototyped right here in Riverton, Wyoming with component parts. Okay, then we are offshore assembled in mass production, and then quality controlled right here in Riverton, Wyoming. We touch every piece. What that means is, is when it comes in here from the truck, we open every box, touch every piece run it through a battery of tests, make sure that it is exactly what we say it is. Oh, okay. From magnification range, light transmission, turret tracking, durability, we make sure that it's right before it goes out to a customer. What that does is allow us to offer a lifetime warranty. Because mm. at the end of the day, our warranty return rate is 0 .00381. Oh. That's less than one-third of 1%. Mm -hmm. We do pretty good for an offshore importing type of operation okay uh, we get high marks for durability i insist that all of our stuff pass the new 810 h which is the military standard for durability testing 
Okay. Uh, again, it, there's no Me Too feature built into Lucid Optics, so everything's done on purpose by us. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't do it just because Bushnell has it or because Nikon had it. It's here for a reason. Yeah, very cool. By the way, I just saw Lola put a link to Amazon and, and, and some Lucid stuff uh, that's on Amazon. Sure. If you guys want to look for that, I'm sure she'll put it in the description as well. Um, okay, so you guys touch – that's actually I, – I, that's something I didn't know. I do know that you put your number on everything, so if people have issues, they could call you up, right? Yeah. Still doing that, right, after all these years? Yeah, that's, that's my cell phone. That okay. number rings in my pocket. Same number? <laughs> Yep. Okay. That's so. And and uh, how is that? Is it ringing off the hook or? You know, it, it rings every now and then. Okay. And most of the time, it's a misunderstanding of what the optic should or shouldn't do. Okay. Ninety uh, percent of the time, it is easily troubleshot over the phone. Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes we have to see it to see what the issue is, and eighty percent of that is usually a misunderstanding. Oh, okay. Uh, at the end of the day. Our actual warranty calls are really pretty small. Mm-hmm. Uh, if I had issues in a big way with my product line, my phone would be ringing off the hook because right. that's the one I publish. Yeah. So are people are people shocked that you're answering? I don't. Is there a different number that they can call for customer service? There is a different number, but most of the time I answer the phone, mm-hmm. and it does take people by surprise when um, not only do I answer the phone, but I'm the technical guy that answers their question. Mm-hmm. Uh, I want to make sure that. There's no lost in translation or corporate bureaucracy party line. If you're going to get an answer out of Lucid Optics, you're going to get it straight from me. Yeah, that kind of makes it tough to ask for a supervisor, I think. It does make it kind of tough. There's nobody that can answer it better than me. Yeah, someone goes, you know what? I don't want to talk to you. You don't know what you're talking. Let, let me talk to a manager over there. It's funny. We had one of those not too long ago. It was funny. Uh-huh. Um, I mean, do you have time for a quick story? Yes. Go ahead. Hit us with okay. it. So I was in the truck. We were headed out to the range. Uh, we had a long-range class. I had Jim Gilliland in the truck with me. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, we get this phone call, and the guy has an HD7. It's the same optic you've got. Mm-hmm. And he opens the, the, the phone call with, this piece of junk won't turn on. Mm-hmm. Now, okay, so what battery do you have in it? Mm-hmm. He promptly responds with, it doesn't take batteries. Can I please <laughs> talk to somebody who knows what the hell's going on? Oh, okay. So, um, I said, yes, you can. A little hold, please. And I put him up to the radio because I'm driving down the road. Mm-hmm. And I gave him about 10 seconds, and I come back, and this is Jason with customer service. How may I help you? <laughs> and he's calmed down a little so bit. He can't. So this thing right here that says battery, yeah. he didn't see that. Yeah, he didn't see that. Okay. Well, All I think right. he saw it. Yeah. Are you sure? Was this me? Was this me? This wasn't me calling no, him. No, this was not okay. you. Right. I really teased you. But he, he, he has calmed down some, mm-hmm. and he says, all right, so I can't get my HD7 to turn on. Went, okay. So... Underneath the big lens, there's a cap. <laughs> we're going to unscrew that cap, and we're going to check to see that the AAA battery is inserted just like the image on the side of the frame. Uh-huh. And there's this long, awkward pause on the phone. And I hear him then say very sheepishly, that's where my matches are stored. <laughs> <laughs> he actually thought that compartment was for waterproof storage of matches. Yeah, why not? Why not? Yeah, Jason, so, what is wrong with you? Why didn't you make I that the matches compartment? 
So we got the matches removed. We got a AAA in it. Zopic turned on, and he promptly hung up the phone. Mm-hmm. He was done with the embarrassment of the conversation, and a few months later, we got a, a nice box of chocolates in the mail and oh, an no. apology. Cool. Uh, but Jim, the guy that was riding in the truck with me, he was laughing to the point where he had his hands over his mouth and he was trying to be quiet. And he goes, you have got to stop answering those calls. You're going to give yourself an aneurysm. It's like, well, but I'd rather it be me that has the aneurysm than one of my employees. Yeah. So at the end of the day, when they call, I like them to get me. Yeah. No. And if for whatever reason, personalities clash, whatever, I can't help them. I have a couple guys that are really good. Mm-hmm. And turning an angry customer into a multiple buy customer. Yeah, yeah. Once they understand what their question really is. Yeah. Listen, so, I thought it was cool you didn't go off on him and go, you you know, you no, you're an idiot. No, you're an idiot. <laughs> you could do that and you would be right. Right. Customer service wrong all mm-hmm. at the same time. Yeah. yeah. So we don't treat our customers that way. Oddly enough, I like my family and we treat our customers like family. Yeah. Uh, Brian Quick says, sometimes customers need to be fired, told to never spend money with you again. Yeah, but, you know, it only you handle that differently. Um, you know, if I get a guy that is just not grasping the concepts, mm-hmm. okay, I, I, I make sure that when he sends his warranty in, that there's a front pin on his trigger group, on his lower of his AR, mm-hmm. I need to see that as well. It'll help me diagnose the problem. Mm-hmm. And that I never send back that front pin. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh. Now, now, Jason. Yeah. Go ahead. Plan on doing in the future, on in the future, is having your cell phone as your customer service number, or is that, is that a long term thing you see happening? It's it's planned by design. Yes. With the the way we do our customer service and our product development, um, I've been in business for over a decade now with my cell phone published. Mm-hmm. Um, if I had issues and it was a problem, I might change that number, but I don't. And the way we run our business, the way we develop our products, it's not an issue. Mm-hmm. We can handle it. It's fine. Yeah. Listen, I... that's a third of 1% of warranty overall calls and 90% of those are a misunderstanding. Mm-hmm. The contact with the customer makes them feel like they bought into a company that cares. Yeah. Also, we don't, you know, we don't always know everything. Like I could see that that situation, you know, it could happen. I'm not saying I've ever, I'm not saying I've ever done it, but I've done some stupid things. (laughs) (laughs) We won't go into those. Yeah. (laughs) You know, and I think sometimes, you know, the opportunity to educate a customer on your stuff is not a lost opportunity. You got chocolates out of it. Yes. Yes. And. I'm sure he turned around and bought something else down the road Yeah, because he was familiar with the company. He knew that if there was an issue, we'd take care of it one way or another. Mm-hmm. And that trust, you can't pay for it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, let me see here. I'm just trying to go. Uh, okay, so Lola asked this question. Have you ever visited the uh, factories where the stuff is made outside of America? I have. Okay. I've, I've been in all of them. Um, I've been in some of them that I was interviewing that I would never have touched my stuff. Mm-hmm. So I have been in factories all over the country in both China, Japan, and some in Austria. Mm-hmm. Um, I have been all over the world in factory audits. So the answer to that question is yes, I've been in them all. 
Um, interestingly enough, walking down those production lines, we see brands in there that um, are very interesting to have where we are geographically. Oh, okay. Hmm. Yeah, they, they actually, by label on the side of their product, shouldn't be there. Really? It happens all the time. Okay. Um, <laughs> okay, here, uh, DCG44 is, is asking, uh, is RSR your only distributor? Um, in a two-step distributor way, yes. We were with AccuSport and Ellet, and they have gone the way of bankruptcy, so we are no longer with those folks. We are actively seeking new ones. Um, Xander's just picked us up. We are courting Sports South, but at the moment, RSR is it. Okay. All right. Um, like I said, if there's if anyone else, uh, Daniel, if you have anything, uh, feel free to jump in. The warranty um, keeps coming to mind. The warranty, lifetime warranty or limited uh, warranty? Well, we call it a lifetime warranty. Okay. Now, it's not a license to abuse the product. However, if you're honest with us, you tell us the story, um, you don't yell and scream and make it our fault, we're going to take care of it anyway. Okay. Um, we, we, we fondly around here call it a don't be a dick warranty. Okay. If you open the conversation being an asshole, most likely we're going to put you on what we call douchebag delay and... It's going to take a little bit longer. It's still going to get taken care of. Okay. So <laughs> does it matter, um, do, you know, do you have to be the first owner of it or do you nope, have to register? If it, says, if it says Lucid Optics on the side, we'll take care. Okay. That also means at the end of the day, we have taken care of counterfeits. Oh. Just because they bought a counterfeit by mistake doesn't mean that my brand won't take care of that customer and gain their trust. Hmm. But it has happened. How, okay, so how okay, how does so how do you know if this is a counterfeit that you bought then? How are you supposed to Well, so there's some things that okay. we have as identifiers. Okay. We have batch numbers and serial numbers on the bottom of our optics. Oh, okay. So every single one. Oh yeah, I'm looking at so here's on the bottom of this one. Right there, there is the Okay, so that's the first is that the only way that you tell? Okay. Yep. Okay. The other thing we see is counterfeits. Um, there are some things on the internals that we do very specifically. Wiring diagrams, the way we do things very specifically that only our factories do it that way. Okay. Um, so once we open it up to find out what the problem is, we can tell pretty quickly that it's not ours. Okay, so a counterfeiter might put a serial number on the bottom of that, but when you get inside, then that's yep. when you figure it out. Okay. Yeah. And we have a list of all the serial numbers. If, for example, we had one the other day where a guy calls in and says, hey, I've got this uh, L5 optic. It has this serial number. And I look up the serial number. That serial number has never been sold. It's still sitting in my warehouse, mm -hmm. which tells me that's a counterfeit. Okay. So if someone is looking at this right now and they have what they think is a lucid optic and they look on the bottom of that and there's no serial number, now what? Well, it's either really, really old mm -hmm. or it's a counterfeit. Okay. And it, it doesn't mean that it, it doesn't have warranty. It doesn't mean we won't take care of that as a customer. Mm -hmm. um, just because they got a counterfeit through eBay or whatever, um, they're still a Lucid Optics customer in my opinion, and I'm happy to take care of them and sell them more. Oh, okay. That's pretty nice of you, man. Well, yeah. I mean, think about it from your position. Mm -hmm. You thought you bought a Lucid Optic. You were getting a hell of a deal, right? Mm -hmm. Well, then it breaks. And you call us. Mm -hmm. And if it's a counterfeit, and if we're dicks about it, we say, hey, that's not ours. Go fuck yourself. 
Mm-hmm. Um, that's bad, <laughs> right? From a customer service aspect. Yeah. Well, bad taste from the mouth then for the brand. Mm-hmm. So we just turn it around on them and say, you know what? Send it to us. Let's take a look at it. Okay. We take it in. Yep, it's counterfeit. We're going to replace it with a new one. Okay. At the end of the day, I'd rather having them have a real one and be a return customer because we took care of it. Yeah. Wow. I hope there's not a lot of – are there a lot of people counterfeiting your stuff? There, We've seen a few in the past. Okay. Um, it's not big volume, mm-hmm. but uh, it, it has happened. Okay. So there's probably more than I know about. Um, but it, it's again, it's a, it's a chance for me to interact with a customer. Yeah. So I would welcome it. Do you uh, pursue like legal things against these people counterfeiting you? Do if they I get arrested find, at shows or something? Yeah. Huh? Yeah. If I can find out where it's coming from, I'll definitely take action to get it stopped. Okay. Because that is my intellectual property. It's my thing. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. So we we have had conversations with with other brands that have copied us. Um, we've had conversations with factories that have taken stuff and sent it out the back door, black market stuff, not necessarily counterfeit, mm-hmm. but not ours either. Yeah. Um, so a couple of comments here. Razor JB, very good friend of the show here, says business wise that could go either way, but got to give him props for doing the things he's saying. Um, Yannick Stoner says um, sounds like an awesome service. So, um, and then by the way, what is the, what is the HD seven? How much does that cost? Just so that's the HD seven red dot site. It is a multi reticle powered by a triple a cast mm-hmm. aluminum rubber armored red dot site. Mm-hmm. Overkill is underrated here at lucid optics. Mm-hmm. That optic, um, MSRP on it's around two fifty nine. That's pretty good. You're going to find it at $200. Most mm-hmm. retail places. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it is probably one of the most durable, red dot optics out there now it's big mm-hmm. when it came out 10 years ago it was in the mid-size yeah now everything's gotten smaller right but uh, still one of the only multi-reticle optics out there that you zero once and forget because the way that that's designed you zero the dot and if you transition to any other reticle in the system it's still zeroed mm-hmm. very cool uh by the way james lawson says just ordered an hd7 that's from james lawson awesome. Thank you very Thanks, much. Thanks. Yeah, hopefully it was a real one. Hopefully, you know, got got the real one from the thing. By the way, so I, the reason why I was asking you about that thing, about, like, the warranty first, is because, mm-hmm. you know, I don't know if you know this, but I, I, you might remember this. I got my HD7 from my brother. Mm-hmm. That's how I got mine. My brother was like, you know, you really got to try this out. I'm going to send it to you. And then we, we <laughs> so I use, I use this whenever I tortured guns and stuff like that. Um, so eventually I messed it up. It was still working, but it was messed up. And then, uh, I sent it to you guys and you actually replaced it. So that's right. Yeah. And how long did it take us to get it done to you? Uh, it wasn't long. I think it was a couple, like, I don't know, two weeks or something like that between sending it to you and getting it back. The shipping time, that's actually pretty fast. Cause you're, yeah. you're living where? Florida. Yeah. So I'm in Wyoming. Yeah. So there's three to four days between us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I had it in my shop for two days. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, I appreciate that. And, and you know, that's why I wanted you to come on and uh, talk to the folks uh, about that. Lola's putting a link for this up here in Amazon. So just in case anyone wants to know. Daniel, did you have any questions here while we're... Uh... Yeah, yeah, actually, uh, now you were talking about counterfeits. Mm-hmm. Where are those coming out of? Like China, places like that, or... 
Um, we've seen some from China. We've actually seen some from the Philippines. Um, we actually had one domestic group um, taking parts and, and putting it together, too. So it comes from all over. You know, if anybody can, can make a fast buck on something that's already been popular, mm -hmm. they will. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then let me see this. Uh, okay, so Lewis555 says he just got a M7. Nice. Got one of the new so, Yeah. And I, and I could roll in the website. Let me see. I don't know if this is going to mess up the audio or not, but here's the website for anyone that's looking. Um, Lucid Optics. Here's the site. And you can just click on... Uh, here, we'll click on... There's a red dot. We can go to Rifle Scopes. You can, you know, you can just click on... Let's see if we can get this to go. Here we go. We'll go to Prismatic. So what's the what's the latest stuff? Like maybe let's run through the stuff that came out from Shot Show. Okay, sure. So this year we went back to our roots and we made good on a promise to bring out Little Mo. We've been working on that for three years. Mm -hmm. Okay, the trick on this one is it's shockproof nature and it's waterproof nature. Mm -hmm. You also don't have to unmount it to get the battery out. There's a side drawer for that. Okay. Okay. Because we know zeroing a red dot in on a pistol is a pain in the butt. Mm -hmm. But once you get it, you leave it and forget it because you don't have to take it off again. Yeah. Right? So you just slide that door out and swap right. your battery. Okay. We also went to school on red dots and went and found out that, you know, a narrow foot plate, a very low front end allows mm -hmm. you to keep your pistol discipline the same. You can still find your front blade and find your red dot. Mm -hmm. You're not fishing for it like you do with some of the other brands. Um, we built it light. We powered it the 1632, um, and bringing out the MSRP, just a little over 300 bucks. Hard to beat. Okay. We brought back the M7. We had an M7 out about five years ago and it was very popular and it got knocked off very, very fast by a competitor. Um, and it, uh, was causing enough distraction in the marketplace that we just shelved ours because it was almost at end of life for technology anyway, and came out with a much smaller, much more robust, better parallax, better reticle, longer battery life. I mean, everything we could to improve it with the new M7. Yeah, and if we could just get so with the little mo and the M7, what are the uh, what you know? What's the suggested retail on that? I know that depending on where people go, they can get a little bit better price. Uh, yeah, the little so mo is like what around three fifty, I think. Yeah, three forty nine is going to be your MSRP. Okay. I see it at three hundred bucks somewhere retail, pretty easy. M seven is three oh nine, so that's a living at two eighty nine, two ninety nine all day. Mm -hmm. Okay, the HD seven stable, still popular. Um, we're selling it still. Mm -hmm. Okay, we're making way for that one with the new HDX. Now this optic is a what we consider a mid size optic, built for the PCC market. Okay. 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 It is robust, overbuilt, just like Lucid Optics does. Everything else has modular mounting, so the AK guys as well as the AR guys can play. Okay. All right. Um, powered it by a AAA. That MSRP is two ninety nine. Okay. Pretty good. Okay. And from there, we get out of red dot sights for us. We transition to one of the our best sellers in rifle scopes, and that is a L7, that is a one to six, low magnification, variable power optic. Um, what's tricky about this one that a lot of manufacturers get wrong 
is it has to be a true 1x. And optically, one means none, right? Mm -hmm. So you can run it on one, both eyes open, just like a red dot. It's just as fast. We illuminated this in blue, not red. We save a little battery life. We also crisp up that reticle for those guys that have astigmatism. Hmm. Okay. Okay. Red's an, uh, an emergency color. Our blood's red, right? Mm -hmm. It vibrates. That wavelength to our brain vibrates. Blue does not. Okay. Are there, are, are there many optics using uh, blue? Is no, that... blue's, I, last I've seen, we're it using blue. Okay, cool. If somebody yeah. knows of another blue one out there, I'd love to hear about it, but I think we're it using blue. Mm -hmm. we, we put a lot of study and science into why blue. Um, it's a calming color. It has crisp, sharp edges, especially on illumination things. Um, it's non-distracting, but it gives you enough separation when you take that black reticle into a shadowed area, you can still pick it up and have your definition. Okay, and it's is is it easy to make a sight act like acquisition with your eye to very the color blue? Easy. Okay, uh, blue's blue's actually very fast for us to pick up. It's actually the only color that colorblind people can see very well. Hmm. There's a lot of red green colorblind folks out there. They can't see it. They can see something's brighter, but they can't see the color. Blue you can pick up. Okay. So there's a lot of reasons we chose blue. Hmm. Um, but variable power one to six. So one being none, all the way to six, which in most situations is plenty. Mm -hmm. Okay? That MSRP is around 499. Okay. okay. And this one actually gets, since I've given dealers margin on it, mm -hmm. this one you'll see around 369. You'll you'll see it in the in the lower price points. Mm -hmm. Which causes us a kind of a problem because we get compared to lower grade items all the time because of our price point. Yeah. This optic actually sports ED glass and is color accurate. Oh, okay. There's a lot of out there that are not. They yeah. have a blue tint to them or a pink tint to them, depending on what they're trying to bring out in contrast optically. Oh, okay. This, this one's uh, color accurate. Right. And, um, and um, <clears throat> excuse me, um, Applebyte wants to know, is it a light blue or what? Like exactly what kind of color blue is it? Yeah, it's 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 like a bluebird sky blue. Um, the reason I, I I use that analogy is because it's not super light. It's not like dark like a navy blue either. It is a bluebird sky blue. Okay. Um, and this is the what is it? The one to six. One to six. That's the L seven. The L seven. Okay. All right. So I just want to throw it up here for. Let me see. I could. I could throw my phone um, here. Here it goes for anyone who wants to know what it looks like. So we're talking about the L7 here. Let's see if we can get Very it. Very common in shape. It has uh, lift, adjust, press down to lock turrets. Nothing's mm -hmm. going to get bumped during hard use. Mm -hmm. Three gun guys like it. Um, a lot of law enforcement guys are picking it up because it does most everything they need on a carbine. Okay. Very cool. Um, let's see. I'm trying to. Trying to juggle. So next in line there, we would navigate to the P7, which is our prismatic. Mm -hmm. Now, we take a four-power, our answer to the A call. Okay. Okay. This has generous eye relief, generous field of view, um, an adjustable ocular, uh, auto brightness mode where you can go from a bright environment to a dark environment. And if you have the glass-edged reticle illuminated, it'll manage that brightness for you. Mm -hmm. Okay. We powered it by a common double A. Extending the battery life to almost double what the HD7 gets. Okay? And 
again, we overbuilt it. It's a cast aluminum frame. We use aircraft grade aluminum, 6061, and then rubber armored it. And this is a chemical rubber. This armor um, will resist battery acid, um, heat, cold, impact strikes. I don't know if you can see this. I'm gonna try and get it close. We actually took this one and shot it with a shotgun. You can see that, that there's dimples in, under the yeah. rubber. Yeah. Those are BBs from the shot. <laughs> okay. Okay. So does that does that cost extra? No, we did this on Trigger Time TV and actually shot the optic. We zeroed it, took it off, threw it 30 yards, nice. shot the optic, got it after we ran it over with a Ranger, mm -hmm. and it held zero and continued to work just just fine. Now, that's cool. I could have left this on my rifle, but it's an excellent discussion piece, so I leave it on my desk. Mm -hmm. So. I hate to use the word bulletproof, especially in my industry, but there you go, guys. Yeah, it's at least BB proof. Um, well, let me get in a three feet. So. Yeah, let me get a quick a uh, couple of questions here before because there's a lot of questions. Um, Night Train says, "Can you ask Jason if he ever plans on coming out with a rechargeable red dot optic?" Um, there are plans in the works for that. We have to wait for a patent to expire. Okay. There you go. All right. So that's your answer to that. And James Miller, his question is, uh, when will the new HDX be released? HDX is out. You can buy one right now. Okay. Awesome. There you go. That was easy, uh, easy enough right there. Um, and Skivvy Waver has a comment. He says, historically, optics have been what I feel are overpriced. I cannot justify paying more for an optic than I paid for my gun. Uh, traditionally, that's not what, like, traditionally you're supposed to pay twice for your optic than what you pay for your gun, right? I, I, I'm actually on board with your with your viewer. Mm -hmm. um, there's no reason on the planet that that gear has to cost that much. Mm -hmm. And as manufacturers saying that out loud, I'm probably going to have death threats. Yeah. Well, how, well, and the reason why I say it is because when I, when I got into all this stuff, that's what people would keep telling me. Oh, if you if you paid... You know, if you paid a thousand dollars for this rifle, you need to buy a two thousand dollar optic. What, That's what, right. Yeah, was that? You hear that all the time. Um, yeah. I, so, what's the history on that? Why, why, why was that a thing? At the bench all the time, mm -hmm. and with our customer service and our warranty side of things, you know, it's mass production. Things happen. It's a mechanical piece of equipment. Things mm -hmm. happen. At mm -hmm. the end of the day, you're buying Lucid optics, and we're going to be there for you at the end of the day. Mm -hmm. um, now, the gear. It is, for what it's designed to do, about as overbuilt for the money you can get. Mm -hmm. We buy our lenses from the same place that the big boys do. Our extrusions and our machinings are no different than anybody else's. Everything's mm -hmm. done on CNC. You know, the world of that computerized machine has changed everything. Mm -hmm. My tolerances and, and thicknesses and metallurgy can all be on par at a fraction of the cost it could be 10 years ago. Okay. So changing. So when you look at your competitors and I'm not trying to get you to talk bad about um, you know any competitors out there or anything like that. <laughs> I'm, I'm not. I'm seriously. Uh, um, when you look at your competitors we're still dealing with high prices. I think some people have come down and got competitive, but we're still dealing with a lot of high prices. What what do you uh, what do you think about that? Well, I, I think you're right. You're going to see brands that are going to have to have a natural adjustment because there are folks like me disrupting the marketplace with quality items. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, we just had an article break in the new Recoil magazine, and we went head-to-head with some of the bigger brands. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we fared very, very well for an optic that cost MSRP is 700 bucks, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, that was our MLX. It is a first focal plane, precision-built rifle scope, all right? Mm-hmm. Now, I'm not going to sit here and blow smoke up your butt. There is a difference between our MLX and, say, a Night Force ACR. Mm-hmm. There's a difference. But okay. there's not a $2,000 difference. Okay. What would you? Where's the difference, would you say? I would say the difference is probably in about $200 to $300 hmm. at the end of the day. Okay. Uh, and I'm probably going to get death threats over that comment, too. But, guys, it's designed to do one thing. It's an aiming device. Now, it's the most complicated piece of equipment you're ever going to see because you're asking it to do an absolute lot of things and be flawless doing it. Right. Mm-hmm. But I would much rather see guys buy a quality piece of gear and take that extra two thousand dollars and buy a pallet of ammo and get good at their craft before they run out and buy the Ferrari equipment, which they're going to shoot ten times a year and show it off at the range. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, Daniel likes that, by the way. Sounds, well, that sounds good to you, right, Daniel? <laughs> really does <laughs> i'd rather have guys spend the money in ammo and training mm-hmm. get yeah. good quality gear that's functional and when you want to upgrade do you're not going to hurt my feelings mm-hmm. but get good at your craft do just you, because you, it says mm-hmm. the, the big brand name on the side does not make you a good shooter right so the question that pops into my head when you say that is uh do you um do you carry, do you use, not carry, do you car, uh, use anyone else's optics other than yours? No. Oh, okay. So you only use your stuff. I only use my stuff. It doesn't okay. really make any sense uh, from a guy that makes it to not use it. Right. <laughs> trick, trick question, right? <laughs> I welcome guys to bring their stuff when we hold classes. Bring mm-hmm. your other gear. Okay. We'll show you why we do what we do and... Most of them struggle throughout the course of fire because they're fighting their gear. Okay, what, you t- what classes are you talking about here? Well, we teach um, carbine courses, defensive carbine, as well as long-range um, precision rifle courses. Um, okay. And that, that starts mid-June and runs through up to our ballistic summit at the end of September. Oh, okay. How do people get involved in that if they're interested? Um, they reach out to uh, brandy at lucidoptics.com. Okay. And express interest, and we'll get them the class schedule. They want to come out, come out. Oh, cool. All right. Uh, let me get this question in from Big Dre357. Shout out to Big Dre. Um, he says, how do I become a dealer? Um, again, same answer. Mm-hmm. Get a hold of Brandy at lucidoptics.com. She'll take his information down, and we'll get him a dealer packet out. Okay. All right. Uh, do you have any questions, Daniel? I'm, let me see. I'm scrolling through here, so... Uh, I don't know if you have any other things you want to, um, let's see. What's... Yeah, uh, now you mentioned you did three gun. Do you have any uh, sponsored shooters out there running your optics, like your one, one through six? We've got a couple guys that are doing some some good stuff. We have Andrew Nasser and, and David Wood. They're both out of the, the, the Midwest region, you know, Missouri and in that area. Um, we have uh, Chad Wiley. He's one of our new PCC shooters. He's also the CEO of our Palmetto State. Um He's doing a good job in the PCC world. Um, so, yeah, we, we do some sponsored shooters. We have a couple PRS guys, NRL guys. So, yeah, we're doing that game. 
Yeah. Um, and speaking of speaking of uh, the uh, PSA guys, um, well, the last time I saw you was at Shot Show, but before that, That's I right. saw you when I went out to um, do some shooting with Palmetto State Armory. And um, that's when I hit the mile-long shot. Guess who was my spotter? Boom! That guy, Jason. The only, the only reason. Well, between Jason and I forget the name of what's the name of that Marine that was uh, helping us. Oh, uh, oh my God! I, I can't believe. It. Um, someone yeah, out there knows who I'm talking about. Um, yeah, I know exactly who you're talking about. He runs that range. Was He's it Mike? Old. Was it was his name? Yes, it was, it was Mike. Mike. Okay, yeah. So that's that's how I even got hit that shot. Go ahead, Daniel. So so be honest, Dank. How many shots did it take you to get that one mile? Um, do you remember, Jason? I was the first one to hit it. Yeah. How many shots did it take? I can't remember. Two. Look at that. Impressive. <laughs> Just pure luck. Well, okay. To be fair, he sat down behind the gun. We showed him a couple targets closer up. He hit those. All right. He can squeeze the trigger. Yeah. <laughs> yes, so I could do that. A hole in the optic. We even doped the wind for him a little yeah. bit, but that's what Spotton's about. We gave him some coaching. He got there. Yeah. Oh, by the way, oh, Lola just brought him. Hold on a second. I can't pass up this opportunity, Jason. Boom. There you go. There goes my coins right there. there Jason was there. Jason was like, okay, I am surprised Hank Strange even hit this shot. Is this one upside down? There we go. <laughs> yeah, that was really cool. Oh, where's your... Oh, Lucid Optics. Okay, how do I? How do you get that one? You gotta come place three shots consecutively on a mile target on purpose. Oh. Our mile target is one minute. It's not very big. Oh, okay. Yeah, I'm. Yeah, you know what? I'm gonna have to do that sometime. I know you've invited me out to uh, to to go hunting and all that kind of stuff in the past, and but I, what, I'm gonna make it happen. I'm gonna make it happen one of these days. Now, well, nothing else. You should put the end of September on your calendar for the ballistic summit. Okay. Where is we the Raton, New Mexico? Ooh. That's a media event. Oh, okay. We bring in a couple influencers like Jim Gilliland and Omar Abila. Okay. We hold an event for a couple of days. Everybody stays on site, has a good time. In Mexico. Yeah, NRA's oh. Whittington Center. It is uh, 35 square miles of shooting ranges. Oh, I didn't even know NRA had a a, a, a place in Mexico. In New Mexico. New yes. Mexico. Oh, okay. See, I didn't hear the new part. Okay, in New Mexico. Oh, cool. Okay, I was about to say. Yeah, it's in Ritalin. It's, yeah. it's if I go if I go out of the country to something that that has to do with the NRA, man, I might never come back. You know, who knows what will happen to me out there? We talked about this, Hank. You got to be nice. <laughs> yes. <laughs> they might get my hand, get their hands on me. I'll be in big trouble. Big right. troubles. So the thing, the reason why I was, the reason why I was talking about, um, the reason why I was talking about you spotting, the and I didn't know it at the time. Uh, I knew I knew that it was all lucid stuff, but obviously we were doing that long distance shooting. Other people were doing it. I didn't get a chance to try it out. So at Shot Show, you were showing me the spotting scope and the binoculars, and those actually really blew me away. I know it's tough to like translate that to folks, you know, like this, but th this was amazing. So tell us about these. Well, um, back to where I started in optics with the spinoscope binoculars, I for a small company called Brunton. Mm -hmm. And as the optics guy there, we, we were in the birding realm, mostly of anything else. So high quality optics, um, mm -hmm. high resolution, great contrast, color accurate, 
easy to focus, lightweight creature comfort features that you only find in the more Cadillac of, of optic world, okay? So when it came time for Lucid to get into the observation side of optics, um, I took the cues that I learned doing that, and some of the suppliers that I met over there in, in other parts of the world doing that, and developed high-definition ED glass, very lightweight, extremely crisp, clear, no chromatic aberration. That's a term, optics, look it up. Mm -hmm. um, both eights and tens. Um, for me, I use eights because the resolution difference between eights and tens for me is noticeable. Um, some guys want the magnification range, but I'll sacrifice a two magnification for the resolution. But color accuracy, contrast, and, re and resolution are the holy trifecta when it comes to observation optics. If you don't have it, your eyes will get tired. And we spend hours behind these, for example, chasing mule deer. You will sit on a ridgeline looking over a valley into sagebrush where these guys sit and they look, their antlers look like sticks. And if you don't have the color contrast and resolution to pick that out, mm. you'll never see them. Okay. Okay. Because they turn nocturnal during hunting season and they don't show themselves unless they have to. Yeah. Right. So the, the optics have to be exceptionally clear. Otherwise, it fatigues your eyes over time. Yeah, that's that's what I and I, like I said, I'm going to tell you guys again, it's very difficult, obviously, to translate that to live video, much less even if I do a video. I am going to try to get my hands on some of this stuff and figure out a way to show that to you guys. But when I looked at it, it was almost like 3D HD or something like that. I could tell depth and all kinds of different details were popping that I don't see with my with my with my regular eyes. <laughs> And yeah. what so. we're doing with the magnification range mm -hmm. and that depth that you're talking about is focal plane. We have a very wide focal plane that is in focus. So as you as you run your adjustment wheel, your focus wheel, mm -hmm. you're changing the distance at which that optic is focusing, right? Mm -hmm. So in the close focus, it's real narrow, three or four feet. As you get out to the mid-range, what we call mid-range, 300 yards and to 600 yards, it starts to become very wide. And that focal plane you're looking at is 75 to 100 yards wide. That's mm -hmm. why everything in that range is in detail. Okay. And that's why you were feeling like you were looking down the hallway there shot in a low light environment towards a backlit window, but you could still read name badges at the end of the hallway 100 yards away. Yeah, it was, I don't know, it was, it was amazing to me. Um... You know that I could that I could just really pick and I could pick those things out. It was real fast that I could see that. And you then know, we moved so. to the spotting scope world. Mm -hmm. We designed this piece of gear from the ground up for a high altitude hunter, a guy that's going on a goat or a sheep hunt. Mm -hmm. um, it seems like it's the novelty class because of its size, but when you actually put your eye into it and focus it up, that's when you notice that this is not a novelty piece of kit. Mm -hmm. This is high definition, high resolution, and 9 to 27 is plenty. But when you're looking across a ridge, looking at a herd of bighorn sheep, trying to decide your next move, because if you have to go across that canyon, that's an all-day trek, mm -hmm. right? So you're making a decision from distance. You have to be able to identify size and judge, and if you don't have the clarity, you can't do that. 
Now, this one's super lightweight. We'll fit in a cargo pan, okay? Mm -hmm. Law enforcement guys love it for a window mount for surveillance because it's very discreet. It's mm -hmm. small. Yeah, and you were using that at a mile. What's the – is that a mile, the, the yeah, maximum what, distance? I was spotting with this for you at a mile. Mm -hmm. And we were seeing bullet impacts on that piece of steel down there at Clinton Head. Mm-hmm. And you know, not only just saying impact, but we could tell you where you hit. Um, I could call your your shot by trace. Mm -hmm. I was catching the vapor coming off your bullet coming through the air with this. Yeah. So what? So the spotting scope, and then also uh, tell us the price on on the binoculars. What price category are we talking sure. about here? So spotting scope, you know, MSRP is five ninety nine. Okay. You're going to see it four twenty nine in retail because we give dealers margin. Mm -hmm. All right. And the binoculars, MSRP is $679. Again, we give dealers margin, so you're going to see that $529 in the marketplace, maybe less. Mm -hmm. But we're not a camera brand. So Lucid Optics is a little less known. And so that kind of helps the guy sell it too because it's new, it's different, mm -hmm. and he can run a sale on it and not hurt himself because we gave him margin. Yeah, and what glass is on? Uh, what kind of? Where's the glass coming from on those? These are all Japanese shot lenses. Everything Lucid does outside our red dots comes out of the Japanese shot factory, mm. which is the Austrian glass factory on the planet. Okay. So that's the best glass that you can get, the Japanese glass, right? In the sport optics, that's where all the good stuff's coming from. Yes. Okay. Now, there are two places on the planet that silica for glass comes from: Austria, China. Mm -hmm. A long time ago, the shop factory, along with the Zeiss factory, recognized that the money in glass is in medical-grade instrumentation or cameras. All the lenses that are coming in your cell phones are Austrian glass. Okay. Oh, okay. Sport optics, rifle scopes, binoculars, spot and scopes, everything else, they went to Japan, built a factory because the Japanese have exceptional quality control. And they buy Chinese material and turn it into a Japanese quality controlled lens. Oh, okay. Okay. You can buy Chinese lenses and they can be okay. Mm -hmm. The next batch won't be. Okay. Well, control hasn't caught up. Mm -hmm. They're using the same material, but the grind and the coatings and the way the method they go about it, that is where it separates. The Japanese, yeah, the Japanese can repeat excellence. <laughs> that's right. Every yeah. time. And that's from a manufacturer. If I'm going to hang my hat on quality, mm -hmm. I've got to spend the money on the good lenses. Yeah. I just have. Okay, very cool. Uh, I've got a question here from someone. Let's uh, drop this in here. James Miller says, What was the thought of using a AAA battery instead of something like a CR2032? And what's the average battery life? Okay. So AAA battery, we'll talk about the HD7 for a second. Mm -hmm. um, we recognize that they're both 1.5 volts. Mm -hmm. Between a CR232, you, you get a 3 volt out of it, it's a lithium, but that 3 volt really doesn't last all that long. When a lithium dies, it dies right now. Mm -hmm. Okay, It'll stay very constant, and you can buy lithiums in AAA. But the mindset of going on a weapon site with a AAA is you can find one anywhere. Okay. We yeah. actually had a guy get into a firefight, and he'd been playing with his optic at the range. Right, His battery went down. He actually took the battery out of the suspect's remote control on his TV and got back in the fight. Mm. 
Okay. Of that's the yeah. That's the purpose of it. You can go anywhere, find ready. those. Yeah. He found the battery mm-hmm. where he needed it. Yeah. Okay. We live in Riverton, Wyoming. We couldn't always find the CR 2032s, 1632s. We can't find them all the time. Mm-hmm. And a AAA is 40 cents for the same power source at 2,500 hours worth of battery life that you're going to get out of a coin cell that mm-hmm. costs you three dollars. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that was the mindset. Now we are using some coin cells in our current M7, and okay. that's just because of the size. Okay. Watch for things to change because I'm going to probably change that power source. Oh, okay. Uh, you're changing it to. Uh, can, can you going back to a AAA on it? Oh, just really? It makes common sense. Okay. Hmm. Okay. All right. There you go. Hopefully that helped to answer that. Lewis uh, five 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 says, "Can I use the?" L7 on a SCAR 17? Absolutely. That's his question. Okay, there you go. Um, Omar's uh, got one on his SCAR 17. Okay. Um, let's see what else. What other. Uh, if you've got anything, Daniel, let me know. I think someone wanted to know the weight of the spotting scope. I don't know if we. It is a spotting scope. Yeah. Um, we designed that to be exceptionally light, and before I lie to you, I'm going to get a real true text back out of here. Yeah. By the way, smash those thumbs-ups out there, folks. Smash your thumbs-ups. We appreciate that from everyone who's hitting the thumbs-ups. Spotted uh, scope's 23 ounces. 23 ounces. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. How do you like them numbers? Okay. Now, yeah. Razor asked, how much money on, on Super Chat to get me to shave my beard? Beard wide. Wait, wait. <laughs> what? Okay. Somebody wants him to shave his beard for money. Yeah. <laughs> Razor, seriously. Now, oh, now, boy. That benefits me if it's your super chat. Yeah, I know, exactly. You're going to, you know, Daniel's got to do that super chat. Yeah. <laughs> I'll be glad to take the money and then, you know. Right. <laughs> Never I'm not sure send it to him. Yeah. I'm not sure what's underneath of it. I'm yeah. a little. A little nervous. I don't know if you want to see him without that beard. I don't know. You might not want to. Wife, like, don't shave. Yeah. So, um. <laughs> well, we'll, we'll look to you like this. Mm-hmm. As much money as it costs to hire a divorce lawyer. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out. Uh, let me see. I'm missing people. So there's a bunch of people that came in. Shout out to X Ring um, and anyone. I know there's uh, a Big Dick Willies out there. Shout out to everyone. <laughs> That's coming in. Um, I really didn't give any shout-outs to anyone, but, you know. Um, so, uh, Appalachian Gunrunner says, I understand the benefits of common batteries, but that situation seems like it would have been quicker and more effective to just uh, use backups instead of getting it out of a remote. I understand. And he's got an excellent point. Yeah. A very excellent point. I'm just relating the story we were given. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, let's see what we've got here. Flying Rich says, can you shave the beard and glue it on Yoda? So we should probably talk about Baby Yoda here for a second, because uh, I know that's the last video you put up, Daniel, and I think you saw that video, right, Jason? I did, yep. Yep, so um, Daniel, you want to tell us about your shenanigans that you were up to? Actually, and this was a good video. This was a really good video. Daniel um, reached out to me and he was like, I know you don't look at uh, gun videos, 
but check this out it's not really a gun video and i do look at i do look at people's gun videos it's just like in the process of editing and all the stuff that i do i find it easier to look at videos that don't have to do with guns so i can I actually get, get work done i get yeah. it i watch commentary videos so you watch what kind of videos commentary stuff commentary. like that yeah 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 i look at you be, you guys will be shocked at the kind of stuff i look at uh, <laughs> no maybe maybe you won't be shocked <laughs> i don't know but yeah, I try to look at different things just so that I can have it in the background, and not pay attention. But this was a really good. This was a really good video that you did, man. I, I was like, I really enjoyed it. I thought it was funny. I thought it was well put together. Um, I'm surprised that you didn't burn your own self to a crisp. Yeah, I still have all the hair on my arms. So. Yeah, yeah. So explain this to people, and I'll see if I could uh, pop up here on the screen some some footage from it. But go ahead, explain it to the folks. I took the wrist-mounted flamethrower from the Mandalorian, mm -hmm. and I created it in real life, a mobile, fully functional flamethrower. And uh, it's got a, it had a built-in heat shield. I wore leather gloves and all that, but I'm not going to lie. There's a portion in the video, and you can actually see it, where one of our adjustments on the nozzles had caused the fuel to fan out and caught mm -hmm. my glove on fire. And you can actually see it in the video, but uh, yeah. we got that taken care of, and now it's it, it works really well. Yeah. Um, so, and, and are you telling people how you made this, or are you avoiding uh, telling anyone yeah. how you made this gauntlet? Yeah, the YouTube overlords. Uh, yeah, they, they probably won't go for that. Yeah, they probably won't go for that. <laughs> yeah, you can find stuff like from King of Random. Uh, like that, uh, he he'd show you how to make a flamethrower. But mm -hmm. here's the baby Yoda. It survived. There it goes. So should we give away what happened here? I don't want to ruin it. You guys really need to look at the video. But I'm I'm guessing everyone wants to know how baby Yoda survived. Well, it was the Force. The Force. Uh, you know, because okay. right. you've seen the Mandalorian. He's <laughs> they couldn't yeah. Disney couldn't kill him, and I couldn't either. So hey. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So did you, um, so how is that, like, what's the response that you're getting from that video? You know, how people, people enjoying uh, it? Hey, did you catch on fire? Uh, I, I get that a lot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, overall, it seems, it seems pretty positive. Yeah. I'm sure people were concerned for you. I was concerned for you. You're from Kentucky. Yeah. You're, you're building flamethrowers. Yeah. I think it was for me, but she was she was behind the camera. So. Oh, okay. Was she was she prepared if something happened to you? Did she have an extinguisher? What was the emergency plan here? Yeah, we were totally prepared. <laughs> okay, that means no. <laughs> that means no. We have, we have yeah. Yeah. I know Jason was asking you how you got this Baby Yoda built. So do you want to tell the people out there, for anyone that wants to put together a Baby Yoda, will you build Baby Yodas for people if they give you money? Oh, I, I don't want to tell you what I would actually do for money, but maybe. Oh. <laughs> uh, no, you can actually, if you got access to a 3D printer, there's a project out there. I'm trying to think of it off the top of my head. It's like okay. Project something. Uh, they have they have plans for a three D full size three D printed Yoda. Mm -hmm. Now the head is three D printed for him. I built the body. I I even sewed I even sewed his uh, his clothing. So uh, skill you didn't know I have, but okay. 
Yeah. yeah. I got a ton of working on that. Probably the Yoda I have at least eight hours in. The flamethrower probably twice that. And, you know, of course, with all the recording and editing and all that. So we got we got quite a bit of working on this video. Yeah. I was just, and, I, I was surprised at just how nerdy you were, man. I did oh, not I'm, know you had that level of nerdiness going on. I am on. a complete nerd. Oh, okay. Like, <laughs> good, good, good. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Cheers. Yeah. <laughs> you know, Tony Lawrence is giving you a big thumbs up on that, you know. Um, by the way, listen, if you guys are looking at, at that video, please share it somewhere. Okay, let's help Gun Doctor TV. Let's help him the channel grow and all that kind of stuff. If, if you know, that was a good video. It deserves to be shared by the people. That's what I'm and, saying. Get out there. I shared it on my Facebook. Yes, I saw that. Thank you, by the way. Yep. Oh, you're welcome. You're welcome. I wish my Facebook was bigger. You know, if I had the bigger Facebook, it would probably do more. But, you know, hey, you know, we got what we got. But I'm just telling the people right now, they can help out by going to your channel, subscribing, and then sharing that video. That's the big thing. Share the video out there. Let people see it. I thought it was really creative, really funny. You know, I'm looking for what do you what's, what do you think is going to be your next project here? What's the next thing you're going to build? I I don't know. I I've built a lot of things. Like I said, I've, I've built hovercraft. I I built a lot of things before YouTube. Mm -hmm. And I never never really did consider doing that at, on YouTube. But mm -hmm. I don't know. I really enjoy I really enjoy building things besides guns. Oh okay. So let me get this. Appalachian Gunrunner says, being from Kentucky myself. I can assure you he had made that flamethrower years ago. The rest of the world is just now catching up. We're advanced like that in Kentucky. That's right. That's, <laughs> listen, all right, I'm not going to argue that. Low <laughs> internet connection to get out to the world. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it just takes a little while. We'll dial up for the people to find out about it. Yeah, that was really cool, man. I would like to see, you know, next time make, uh, what's the name of the guys who stripped down the Mandalorians? Um, his ship again? What are those? Jawas. Jawas. Oh, the Jawas, yeah. 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 Make make the Mandalorian gun. Make some Jawas. I want to see a gun actually function like that where it shoots the Jawas and then they just blow up. I would like to see that too. Yeah. And yeah. when I get a patent on that. <laughs> huh? When you get a what? <laughs> when I get a patent on that. Yeah. <laughs> it could be done. It could be done. I think you could do it. You could figure out a way to do that where it just blows up and then a little cloak comes flittering it. down. Yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, Flying Rich wants to know what you're drinking, Jason. I don't know. Well, Let's see. What's glad you're glad. Yep. I see it's not. Yeah. What are, what are we looking at here? Oh, TX Bourbon. Texas Straight Bourbon Whiskey. Okay. How is it? It is excellent. Okay. Don't mess around putting ice cubes in this. This is a fine. Oh, okay. <laughs> all right. All right. Is that what you usually drink? When I'm sitting at this desk, yeah, that's what I usually oh, drink. Okay. Okay. Very cool. Yeah. All now, right. Kentucky. Hey. Yeah. So, what, you wanted him to have some stuff from Kentucky? You got any Kentucky stuff over there? Um, closest thing I got to that is going to be Makers 46 on my shelf. Oh, okay. There you go. He's got some Kentucky stuff. Uh, Kentucky's got good things, man. Kentucky's rolling out Corvette. Uh, you got you guys are into cars, right? You're into cars, Jason. I am. I got a buddy that works in the Corvette plant. Cool. Yeah, I drive. Huh? I drive a car. 
Oh, okay. <laughs> That's good. That's always good. That's always good. The new the new C8, the reason why I'm asking that, the new C8 Corvettes are actually out there, man. People are able to go to their dealers and pick them up if they ordered them. What do you guys think about those new Corvettes? Mid-engine. It's an American fast hot rod. It's cool. Yeah, yeah. Very cool, yeah. I live in the land of snow, though. It's not practical for me. No, you have to wait for the all-wheel drive version that's coming out. I think. Yeah, yes, yeah, it's probably even then it's not hell because I don't, there's yeah. no clearance on that. Thing. Yeah, you could put tracks on it, Jason. Now you might be talking. <laughs> yeah, mid-engine, you'd be the first mid-engine with tracks. I don't know. Is anyone? Else, I don't know. Someone might have put tracks on like a. R8 or a Lamborghini or something like that. I don't know. That'd be ridiculous. Yeah, that'd be cool. To, yeah, that would be cool. I have to look it up. But the but the C8 Corvette might be the first affordable one. True. <laughs> that you could put tracks on, and it looks. I I don't know. I I'm a fan of cars, and that is a really good looking car. And from what I'm seeing from the guys who have them, they're even. Like I was looking at one video. I think it was uh, Street Speed Seven One Seven or something in Pennsylvania, and he was so excited to pick this up and this is a this is like a actual car guy so he's got you know your um uh you know mclarens he's had mclarens all kinds of things and he was so excited to pick up this thing because uh this is not the first this is not the first time america made a mid-engine but i think the last mid-engine from america was a fiero I want to say it was a Fiero. yeah yeah i want to say it was a fiero so i'm pretty excited to actually see those out there for for all the car guys that are out there, plus came from Kentucky. That's right. So some people can actually pick them up at the Corvette Museum in Kentucky. I'm so close, but so far away from that that price tag. Yeah. I'm physically, but there's gonna be listen. There's gonna be used ones really soon. <laughs> there's gonna be a lot of wrecked used ones really soon too. He has a point. Yeah, so, yeah, just be patient. <laughs> just be patient. It's going to happen. Uh, Tony Lawrence says he just subbed to Lucid, Lucid Optics. Actually, Jason, where's where's the place that, that folks out there can uh, follow you guys? Um, well, you can find us on Instagram as well as Facebook. Yeah. Um, not too hard to find. Type in Lucid Optics. If it looks like it belongs on a gun, that's us. Yeah, so here, I'll, I'll roll in right now your... Um, this is what the uh, the IG looks like for Lucid Optics. So you guys can go over there and you can follow them and you, you know let them know that you heard about them here on the Who Moved My uh, Freedom podcast. Better yet, use that Strange 20 promo code that went active when we started this show. Oh, oh wait, so the Strange 20 is up? Is that up and active? It's up. Okay, so there you go. Strange 20 at Lucid Optics, people. That, so that's if anyone's buying off the website, they can use the code Strange 20, right? That's right, 20% off. There you go. And you know, I'm going to put that all over the place now. That's that's going out everywhere. I'm going to be using up that strange 20. And it gets you 20% off. What? There you go. Pretty good. Thanks a lot, Jason. I appreciate that. Jason, Uh, is that code good for? Huh? What's that? How long is that code good for? Well, I was thinking that I'd let it run through the uh, NRA annual meetings, just to poke at Hank a little bit. Oh. And... uh, so, the end of April, how's that? <laughs> yeah, uh, so this is the one place. I'm actually not going to the NRA meeting th- uh, this year. Not going. Not going. Huh? Yes. Uh, well, first of all, I was going to go. I was going to go maybe for like a day. But here's the problem. The broadcasting show is happening at the same time. 
I really need to go to the broadcasting show in Vegas. So I'm going to go do that um, instead of going to the NRA, unfortunately. My apologies to everyone. But we should talk about the NRA a little bit while we have Jason here. Because you were saying, Jason, that you were running for a seat on the board. you want to explain that to us? Yeah, very simple. I've been watching the shenanigans come out of the NRA board for a while now. Mm -hmm. And like a lot of members, I'm upset about it. Mm -hmm. So I was raised differently um, by men. Um, Raised on a 140,000-acre cattle ranch, and you – have a strong opinion about something, you better be willing to get involved. Mm-hmm. So I threw my hat in the ring last year to uh, climb onto the NRA board, and I ended up 60 signatures on my petition short when the deadline cut off. So I'm going to let that sit for a few months, and then as soon as the annual meetings are over and I'm eligible to run again, I will be throwing my hat back in the ring and getting signatures on a petition to get on the board. Now, I am not delusional that I'm going to be able to make changes that need to be changed immediately. Mm-hmm. This board's been in existence for a very, very long time, and there's a lot of work that needs to be done on the politics side of things to get it righted and back to a membership-oriented Second Amendment organization. Mm-hmm. We've gotten lost in the weeds with publishing and making money and sending out mailers and just overall annoying our membership to the point where – we don't even stand for principle as aggressively as we should. Enough's enough. The other side has taken as much as we've let them have. Mm-hmm. Time for mm-hmm. that to stop. Yeah. I would so, definitely like to see the NRA come back under control of people that are thinking more about the Second Amendment than going to all the, the fun parties and whatever was going right. on over there at the NRA. I've gotten pretty burnt out, um, uh, you know, We've been we've been pushing back, trying to support people running for the board and all that kind of stuff. I'm kind of uh, burnt out on fighting with them just because they keep changing the rules. They keep making right. it more difficult. Um, and I would, but I would really like to see it come back under control before I get in there. I never became a lifetime member. Um, I was close to doing that when all of this stuff happened, and then I was like, you know what? I don't want my money to go in this direction. But, you know, I would support you in what you're doing. I hope you let us know and let us help you uh, next time around because we do need some people to try to take over the board over there. Um, but that's a real, really, really tough uphill battle because I think Wayne LaPierre is pretty much running it like Putin at this point. Well, he's pretty powerful with a core group of about 20% of the board. Now, there's 75 members on the board, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Uh, that core group of 20% has been there long enough that they're basically telling everybody else how things are going to go. Mm-hmm. And they don't have enough votes or power to push it through. This is politics 101. Mm-hmm. You have a strong group that has an agenda and they're going to push forward in it in a lot of ways. And this is probably going to get me in trouble, but mm-hmm. it's self serving. It's not membership serving. Mm-hmm. And that has to change with this organization specifically. Because without this organization, this country spirals into a place that we don't want to look at socialism from that side of the lens. We just don't. Right. Um, yeah, I think the I think the NRA for a long time. So, well, I know. Listen, if you look at the history, people were with the NRA, then then they left the NRA because they got into shenanigans. Then they came back when it looked like they were getting their act together. Then they kind of got lost again, dropped, wasted a lot of money, and, and folks are moving away from it again. What do you think the likelihood is that we can actually get Wayne LaPierre out of there? Do you think that's even a possibility? 
Well, he's aging, so it's not an if, it's a win. My worry is who we put in place when he kills out. Mm-hmm. Okay, this is not checkers. We're playing chess. This is a long game. Mm-hmm. Um, got to remember, you, you got to walk a, a, a sensitive line here with some of the politics because mm-hmm. um, I'm a fan of Ted Nugent's stance. Enough's enough, mm-hmm. and the enemies of the Second Amendment should be shot like coyotes. I'll say it. Mm-hmm. However, the other side of it is the legal side, and you have to pick your battles very carefully. Mm-hmm. When you go into court and you know that you have a liberal judge and a liberal jury and you're going to lose that court battle, you can choose to expose the NRA membership to a whole bunch of legislation or you can let that one settle down, take your day in beating in court, and come back at it from the other side. Mm-hmm. You can play the long game. Now, that doesn't bode well because you're not taking a hardline stance out for the Second Amendment like you should. Mm-hmm. Okay? But you're not going to win every battle. You're just not, especially in today's world. So a middle ground has to be struck mm-hmm. from the absolute aggressive Second Amendment versus the legal side. I get that. It's the world we live in. Mm-hmm. If you're on principle, there is no middle ground. Mm-hmm. You're on the absolute mm-hmm. aggressive. Second Amendment is gospel. It is a God-given right, constitutionally recognized right. Mm-hmm. So it's not infringable. Mm-hmm. It's absolutely ludicrous to me that anybody can tell me the manner in which I can choose to protect myself. Okay. I love that. Mm-hmm. However, that's not the world we live in. And that's because our predecessors have let too much be okay. Mm-hmm. We've got to stop. Okay. It can't be okay anymore. Mm-hmm. So it's just just so there's no confusion, you're not saying that you're for the middle ground, right? No, I'm not for the middle ground, but okay. I'm also a realist, and I understand that mm-hmm. that's the world we live in right now. We have to migrate back to constitutionalism. Mm-hmm. It's the law of the land. Yeah, I mean, because I think we got where we are right now with the NRA by saying, oh, you know, it's, it's, we got give middle ground. Yeah, you got to give them a little bit to get a little bit, you know, and, and yeah. that's, yeah. yeah There's no compromise. We've given too much up already. We need to take some of it back. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's probably going to get me in trouble. But at the end of the day, it's not wrong. Yeah. No, I want the guys who think like that to be there. Otherwise, I don't want to support what's going on with the NRA. Now, that's just me. I feel like there's still 5 million people supporting it because honestly, I feel like, and and you guys will see this when you go out to the NRA annual meeting this year, a lot of those people out there have no clue what we're talking about. I think they just feel like, hey, I'm going to give these guys my money and they're going to do something. And there's even still companies out there that feel that. Like, hey, I'm just going to give my money to the NRA, and that's me fighting for the Second Amendment when it isn't, especially when the NRA is not – I'm not saying they're 100% not doing that, but they're probably 80% not doing that. you got to stand up and be counted, and right's right. we got to stop letting shit be okay. Yeah. You know, I just don't know how we get back to that from where well, we are right now. Okay. It's the same way you eat an elephant. Mm-hmm. You eat it one bite at a time. Okay. Okay. Do do you want to do you want to jump in here, Daniel? I do. Um, okay. I, I think with NRA and the compromising, I think a lot of people are having trouble trusting the NRA as far as their no compromise. You know, it started way back when the National Firearms Act was you know brought about. 
So this is this has been a fight to Ben Gronk where I was born. Mm-hmm. You know, hindsight's twenty twenty. But I don't know. Like you said, a lot of people they don't know what's going on. They throw their money at the NRA because that's how the NRA presents itself as someone who's going to fight for your rights. And you know, I can't afford luxury vacations. I can't afford to pay for Wayne LaPierre's luxury vacations and things like that. So, mm-hmm. like you said, I want to go to the NRA show, but can't bring myself to buy another year membership i don't know it's Mm -hmm. uh well from my perspective i appreciate what you're saying but you're choosing to not get involved oh Mm -hmm. no i'm involved i'm involved with goa hardcore i'm i'm out there no organization still stands on principle like the nra does for one event Mm -hmm. i don't know i'm just gonna have to disagree with you on that one fair enough and, and so, I'm happy to have that disagreement. Yeah, and so in the last in the last two years, let's say, Jason, you know, with all of these things going on, um, do you think that the NRA is very effective? Or it's been effective? In a lot of ways the- they are. In a lot okay. of ways they're not. They're mm-hmm. stuck in a paralysis of mm-hmm. legalese mm-hmm. and case law that they've already let be okay. That's not okay. Okay, we have to fight our way back. This is not going to be easy. Mm-hmm. And if people jump ship and it is a membership-based organization, we're going to lose. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think this is – so just so everyone knows, this is a tough conversation to have, and, and, and we're having it. Um, I, I think that everyone's kind of like in the middle on this. Some people like have just had enough – and they're, you know, they're just totally disgusted with everything going on with the NRA. Some people are still trying to save it because um, they, they feel like there's some value in there. That's what Jason is saying. I see Tony Lawrence saying, I still support the NRA because I want to see them turn around. Um, there's some people feeling like, hey, these guys will never turn around. Um, I, I, w- I would like to see them get, get saved as well. I would like to see them come back. You know, we need them as a backbone. Look at what's happening all over the country. Um, Bloomberg and, and every town and all the other organizations that he spurned, these guys are kicking our ass around the country, around America, in, yes, pro, in pro-gun states, kicking our asses. Right? Now, I, got, I got a question for you, Jason. Say you get elected to the board and, you know, you're 174th of uh, 173rd, however many more board members there are. Of that, how do you make how do you make a difference? What do you think NRA is going to have to do to make a change? Do you think you're at the rebuild from the ground up? What, I mean, what do you think? Well, there's there's it's a multifaceted answer. I'm glad you asked. Um, nothing's going to change fast. This organization is too entrenched. Okay, so there's the honest answer right out of the gate. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are good board members on there that do believe that. It is a membership organization focused on one issue. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of them there, but their voices aren't in the upper echelon. And that is where it has to change. Mm-hmm. Period. End of story. Mm-hmm. Um, on the back side of that, the average age of the board is 62 years old. Okay, If we expect the future generations to embrace the shooting sports, constitutionalism from a Second Amendment standpoint, mm-hmm. we have to get younger blood that's passionate about the Constitution on that board. Okay. Okay. So the go along to get along mentality has to get voted out of the board. Mm-hmm. Okay. 
So I'm putting myself in that way. Okay, right. that puts me in harm's way, my family in harm's way, from a very public figure standpoint. Yeah, and I think there's a, there's there's some other guys there's some other guys you know making that fight as well, like Rob Pincus. I don't know if you're coordinating with him. Yeah, doing stuff with him. It's very tough. I mean, they're putting themselves out there. We've seen some of the things that have happened to to Pincus, you know, for trying to do that. Um, it's a really dangerous thing because, and I think the the hardest part of it is, like I said, most of those five million members of the NRA just are not aware aware of what's going on. It might be like fifty thousand of us that that are out here that get this. I don't know. If, I don't know if I could say it's half a million. Of us. But any volunteer organization, it's 2% that do the work. Mm-hmm. And yeah. if we're going to write this ship, that's got to change. Mm-hmm. we got to get members back involved and engaged. It's so, a membership organization. The board has to listen to the members. Yeah. Well, so the how do you get the – so, yeah, so that's my thing. How do we get the members? Like if you you guys are going this year, right? Last year when I was there, I actually rode the buses. You know how the NRA has uh, these buses that go from the hotel? I got on those buses with those guys, and it blew my mind. They had zero clues of what the hell was going on with the NRA. Yeah. Yep. You know, so how do we change that? How do we get those guys to know those guys that refuse to get on the Internet – refuse to look at what's going on. They're only like in their living rooms watching uh, Fox News and Fox News is not really having this conversation that we're having. How the hell do we get through to those dudes or do we just need to sit around here and wait for them to turn to dust? Well, I think waiting is going to be a lost effort. You're going to have to go get them and you're going to have to use your platform, your show. You're going to have to use your voice and the reach that it has to spread the message. You're going to have to get membership to get engaged. That's why I don't want you to walk away. Mm-hmm. Either of you. I mean, this is a membership-based organization that can change if our voices start to get heard. Mm-hmm. That complacency of, it's too big, I can't fight that fight, that's a cancer. Mm-hmm. And that's what we're dealing with in the membership. Yeah. And it's rightly earned. The NRA has not done the membership a solid service. They've not. Mm-hmm. But that has to change. Yeah. And it has to change from a membership voice standpoint. Yeah. Uh, listen, I would like to see it change. I just don't know. For me, what came up this year is a direct conflict of the two things happening at the same time. They always happen around the same time. I've gone out to the NRA show and gotten on a plane from there and gone out to the broadcasting show. This situation's coming up, and I'm just kind of like, from what I've seen with the NRA, the pushback and all that kind of stuff, I mean, what they did to the people who were there, out who were out front for them, and I've had those conversations. Like, we had Coleone Noir come here, come on the show, and he said that he found out he didn't have a job just like the rest of us did. <laughs> That's right. So let me use an analogy on you real quick. That you, I hope you can spread it. Mm-hmm. Think about the stock market, right? Mm-hmm. When do you buy a stock? Typically, when it's low, you buy low, sell high. That's right. Right. You don't buy a stock when it's kicking ass and taking names. Mm-hmm. You buy it when it's down. That's when you get engaged and get involved because your value is right now. Yeah. Well, I wish the NRA was like a stock and that it was down right now and we could buy in and take it over. I just, from looking at how, you know, even since everything happened, Wayne LaPierre restructured it. It's scary. He made it so much more difficult for you guys to get on the ballot and get like in there. Stock. Huh? It's membership based. It's just like a stock. Okay. If we all buy in, they mm-hmm. get it, and we all start talking about it, mm-hmm. 
our voice will be heard. Okay. But if you say, you know what, the problems are too big, they've structured to where I can't make a difference, I'm going to give up, mm-hmm. we've lost. So what is? So how do we buy in? How do we buy in? Get your membership. Start talking to everybody you know. Hank, you've got a platform that's quite popular. Okay. Use it. Tell people they have to get involved and get engaged. Mm-hmm. It's membership-oriented. Yeah, I think so I think I've been doing that. I think lots of people have been doing that. And we've all seen like zero response from the NRA. I mean, there's okay. So, for example, I forgot the name of the group. Right. But there's a there's a there's um, what someone tell me the name of the group of the guys that have like what, a hundred million plus dollars that they're holding and they're trying to use that to even get to talk to the to the NRA. And that's not working. You know, so I, I, I agree with you. I wish there was a straight up way that we could just buy in, force our way in here, you know, or, or something that we could do. And I think the only way to do that is to is to somehow get ownership over those five million people that are the members of this organization that are going to go there this year. And most of them are probably just going to have fun, walk around, look at some cool gun stuff. And no one's going to go to the NRA booth and, and like, uh, do a sit-in or something over there and force them to listen to people. Uh, well, the, the the Trump is still going to fly in and go do a meeting. Everyone's going to go want to go see that, you know? Right, right. That and that dog and pony is there for a distraction. It's done there on purpose. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, if you want to – if you have the chance to go to Nashville and get engaged at the annual meetings, go to the member meeting. Mm-hmm. That hall is packed with thousands of people. Okay. And make some noise. Make them hear you. Yeah. I never because was... the board of directors is mandatory. They have to be in that meeting. Right. I mean, it's not like the NRA is not aware of these complaints. Well, no, they know. They just don't want to change because it means mm-hmm. exposure. Mm-hmm. It means um, it's going to shed light on the impropriety that's happened over decades. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. See, and they're protecting it just like politicians are protecting theirs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I, I like where you're coming from. I, I like what you're saying, and I agree to an extent. You know, I, I go to these friends of the NRA meetings, these, these small local, these small local things, and you know, I'm a chairman online. Great people, but they're they're not in tune with what's really going on. They're not. So even on a local level, you're saying you're running into that. I, yeah, I mean, mm-hmm. I, I, I talked a real good friend of mine. Big 1911 guy, you know. This guy's been shooting 1911 since I was before I was born. He's mm-hmm. uh, he's an expert, but you know, he's he's in all this. What's coming out? What's new? And I started talking to him about the what Pierre thing, and he was clueless. Like had no no clue. Mm-hmm. And it's I'm finding that a lot of places. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, and I and I think that goes to so to the to the point. First of all, I just want. I want you to know, Jason, I support what you're saying, right? I think maybe we have to do from an outside in and from an inside out type of deal. I think the most effective way would probably be on the ground with the local organizations. But how is that set up? How's the structure there? And and, and That's really easy. Okay. Go to the fedsoftheNRA.org website, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and there's a listing of the NRA field rep in your area, okay? He's... Most often, the only paid NRA employee in your state. Okay, he's mm-hmm. a place to start. Mm-hmm. Okay, there's regional directors. He's a place to start. Mm-hmm. Then look it up. The board of directors. You have somebody in your home state. I'll guarantee. It. 
Mm-hmm. Go see them. Tell them who you are and tell them how you feel. Mm-hmm. They're yeah. politicians just like the rest of anybody else. If the membership starts speaking up loud enough, they're going to have to listen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So James Miller asked this question. He says, um, so is it better to spend our time and money on organizations like GOA, FPC, etc., who are actually fighting for the 2A or money and effort to try to make the NRA care? So I think, you know, and, and right now what we need to do, what we need to do. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Answer that. My answer is yes. Spend your money every which way you can. If it's making a dent in the Second Amendment fight, yes. Mm-hmm. Put the effort in. Spend the money. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think, yes, I would say yes. Support those Support those organizations who are out there fighting. If you're a lifetime member of the NRA already, I'm not, don't, don't go, like, burn your membership. Please vote. Help get guys like Jason on there, right? We have to do that. At the same time, we've got to do that. We can't just abdicate that job to any of those organizations or the NRA. We have to try to get in touch with these politicians, make them feel the heat, talk to them, because the NRA used to be their spine and their backbone. If we don't have that, then we have to be that. That's right. You know, we have to be their spine and their backbone. And at the same time, like I said, the fighting from the inside from the outside in and from the inside out is what we have to try to do, if that's possible. I would like to save the NRA because even just as a brand, it was it stood for something. I think the time is running out that if we don't do something about it, then eventually it's going to get known for, for nothing. Agreed. So, But there's a very limited time to that. I'm not going to say it's right now at this moment that it's completely, I know like Razor JB said it's completely dead, but we're getting close to that. Go ahead. Go ahead, Daniel. Uh, I I think for the most part, the Second Amendment community relies too much on organizations. It really comes down to us. We're Mm -hmm. going to have to get on the phone. We're going to have to put boots on the ground and make those phone calls Mm -hmm. and use our art each of our reach we all got facebook we all got all this use it put get your voice out there make yourselves heard we're you know we're the we're the silent majority and that's that's something's got to change yeah um do you feel do you see jason how many like so for example i'm going to give you i'm going to read you some comments uh and this is not you know uh brian quick says why does everyone that wants um onto the nra board think they're going to be the change agent that writes the ship when not, the ship has been delusional. ineffective fighting for decades. I'm not delusional that I'm going to be the, the, the changing event. But I mm-hmm. will say that if people like me don't get involved, we are going to lose this. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not going to be the guy that makes the change. It's not going to happen overnight. I'm yeah. not delusional. Yeah, at this, at this point, it's going to take 76 people. That's right. You know, um <laughs> On a, on a, where they change the rules and where it's packed with people, most of those board members, the, the ones that count, because there's board members that don't count, it seems, and then ones that count more than others. Some people are more equal than others, however that works out. Um, so it's going to be it's going to be really a very difficult thing. Um, Razor JB says the NRA is in name only at this point. I think that's an extreme statement, but he's not completely wrong. Mm-hmm. I mean, in these elections, like we're, we're having these discussions here with the, the elections coming up, you know, Democrats are consolidating down. You've got Biden out there getting into kerfuffles 
with folks, you know, when they're asking him about the Second Amendment and he's saying you guys are full of shit. When we all know Biden is just blatantly saying, I mean, he didn't he isn't he setting up Beta O'Rourke as his uh, as his anti gun czar, but then he's gonna tell he's gonna curse he's gonna curse this guy out at the factory and tell him that he's not against the Second Amendment. I mean, w- there's no fear of the NRA out there with any of these people, and I really don't think one of the big things is and and I voted for Trump, okay, I voted for him. But he's not afraid of the NRA. Nope. So, you know, and they anointed him. It seems like it seems very, very, very ineffective to me. I couldn't agree with you more. Yeah. Um, Len Holt says this. He says, hold on, let me throw it up. I'm trying to get everyone's opinion in here on this. And by the way, let me just remind everyone to smash the thumbs up. Len Holt says there's a limited point of view here. The ILA has become the problem. The NRA training and competitions are a different subject. Um, there are plenty of things the NRA does besides defending civil rights. Couldn't agree with that statement more. Okay. All right. Uh, Daniel, do you want to? Did you want to say something here? Oh no, I, I agree. You know, you got NRA instructors out there. But, you know, the NRA does more than just the the legal side and the lobbying and stuff like that. But mm-hmm. I think that you know, it's it's really how they present themselves as fighting for your rights mm-hmm. and at the same time giving up stocks and automatic weapons and mm-hmm. stuff like that. So you know, yeah. Um, Judd Miller says this. He says, we have already been through this with Adam Kraut. If I remember, he wanted to try to change the NRA from the inside, and we couldn't get him in either. Um, yeah, I talked to Adam at length when I announced my candidacy. Me and Adam talked for, oh, I guess four or five hours worth, and uh, uh, he, he ran into much of the same thing I did in my first run for the candidacy, is, is getting the signatures to get on the ballot. Um, and I think Adam got blocked by some of the folks in the industry because he was polarizing to an extent. Um, mm-hmm. Adam's message wasn't wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, probably one of the most deserving folks to get on the board that I've met in a long, long time. Mm-hmm. I'm a fan of Matt. Um, but his message was very polarizing, much like Ted Nugent's is. And mm-hmm. again, it doesn't make them wrong, but it does polarize the crowd. Mm-hmm. And again, back to politics. You polarize the crowd, you're only getting 20% of the vote, and that's not going to get you there. Right. But, I mean, but he, I think he was being honest about what he was going to do. I couldn't agree with you more. He was, which well, we I think need, he was more we, than what he could do, mm-hmm. but he was being honest with what he wanted to try. Right. Okay. And we, we need that. I mean, otherwise, who do we support and how do we know what it is they're planning on doing? I think it was more than – I think it was more than that. I think it was uh, um, some or, organizational – um, efforts on the part of the NRA to block him from getting in there. That's right. There were. Yeah, I know. I've I've seen some of those things with my own eyes. Yep. You know, um, things. Yeah, he was saying the right things to the right membership, mm-hmm. and that would have been the pebble into the pond, if you will, that would have started affecting change. Mm-hmm. And there is a good chunk of the board right now that is terrified of change. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, by the way, uh, Walter from Safety Harbor Firearms is out there. Shout out to Walter. He says, the protector of Baby Yoda in the house. <laughs> in Hank's house, that is. <laughs> so there you go. Um, yeah, you know, 
I, I think this is it's a really tough battle, man. And if if I could do anything to help you, I will do it. Um, I just really look. So for example, we had a company that's been going to NRA for a long time. Uh, we had their representative on the show, and he said that they just changed their booth location. Well, where's yet? Yeah. Lucid Optics can't get a booth. You can't get a booth, right? So they're not going because of that. Well, partly because I say and speak my mind, and mm-hmm. some of the policymakers there at the NRA, um, I have not been able to get a booth space. So they won't. Years. They won't even give you a booth. I'm working really, really hard and playing the politics game because. Uh-huh. I'd love to present there. Having a home base would be nice. Yeah. So how difficult let's just let's just talk about this for a second then, Jason. How difficult would it be to just put another organization together that every year we can all get together and we could see products and we could talk to each other and we could have some meetings and, you know, different classes and help the folks out who, you know, on this side and that side. You know, the guys, the manufacturers can be helped out and the content creators and all that. How, how, how difficult it is it to do? It's incredibly hard to put that organization together. Getting yeah. industry support and buy-in is going to be a different game. Mm-hmm. Uh, organizations like that, if they're going to be effective in any way, shape, or form, need financing. So mm-hmm. at the end of the day, um, the actual structure of the organization, that's not hard. Mm-hmm. Um Leveraging the youth in the industry and the folks that can make a difference moving forward, mm-hmm. that getting them to buy into something new when all the other ones have burnt them in the past, that's mm-hmm. hard. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's where social media influencers can come in. Yeah. Agree. Yeah. I think I, I think that's true. I think we could obviously we're not going to be able to do it tomorrow, but we need to at least that's try right. here. You know, I think these things can all run concurrently. I think Jason can uh, try to get on that board. We could try to figure out other things to do, you know, so we can all get together and organize and, and, and keep fighting things. Look, I don't care what organization you guys decide to, to, to hop in bed with. Mm-hmm. Just get mm-hmm. This is not getting any better for any of our kids down the road. No. Okay. Yeah. Whatever Second Amendment fight you choose, just get involved. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Um, Applebyte says, if the crazy cat lady can get on, there's no reason why Adam can't. <laughs> I, I agree with you. However, politics don't work out. <laughs> and Judd Miller says, I'm an NRA life member, and I will give you my vote, Jason. Just not sure what can be done to fix the NRA. Mm, it's a big uphill battle, but I appreciate the vote. I'll take it when it's time. Yeah. And Armament and Axis says, keep talking, Hank. Are you putting up the cash? So... <laughs> You know, I thought Walter. I, yeah. Well, I, they, uh, <laughs> if we if you really got your numbers right, it doesn't take much money from each of us. Yeah. Listen, I've so for me here's I've been doing this particular thing that we're doing here for two years, putting um, two years at this point. This is the five hundredth and what twenty fourth episode that we're on here. So just think about that for a second. Which it costs a place, uh, electricity, internet. Uh, software, computers, all of that stuff to keep doing this just so we can have these conversations, right? And um, I believe when I started doing this, there was already NRA TV, you know, that they dropped. How many years did they drop 20-something million dollars a year into NRA TV? I don't know, but it doesn't exist anymore. That's right. You know, and we still exist, you know, and we're still doing this. I, I, I think we're all on the same page here. 
And I don't really blame Jason for the fight at all. I think, obviously, no, I we're being realistic. It's going to be a tough fight. But, you know, we have to fight. And then at some point, we're all going to come to a realize either we win or we're going to realize this is not worth fighting anymore. We're going to put energy over here instead of to keep fighting for this. Well, just because the fight's tough doesn't mean you give up. Yeah. Um, it's almost it's almost like the fight that people are having in America choosing between the in the two party system, right? It's the same thing. Like neither one of those parties are any good for anyone. That's right. Yeah. Go ahead, Daniel. I, I think I think yeah, I I, give, I I I agree. You know, fix it from the ins uh, from the outside in and all that, but at some point you're gonna have to realize, you know, that limb is it has gangrene and it's gonna have to go at some point. Mm-hmm. I mean, and you focus your efforts elsewhere. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do, do you? What do you think? What do you think that point is? When do you think? Um, I, I think we're starting to see some green um, in, in this organization specifically, but it's still savable. Uh, I think we're years away from actually having to abandon ship. Um, the good news is the average age of the board members are sixty-two. Yeah. Okay? So if we fight the right fights now, age and attrition is going to get us back into where we need to be. Mm-hmm. But will we have the Second Amendment by the Well, that's up to us. Yeah. It's a constitutional yeah. thing. That's a citizen thing. Yeah, that's not a that's not a responsibility responsibility we abdicate to any organization. Oh no, no. Yeah. Yeah. But you know, I mean, let me ask you this. In your state, do you have to have a permit to carry a firearm? No. Good. Hank? Uh, to conceal carry, yes. Isn't that crazy? Mm-hmm. Wyoming, constitutional carry. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Everybody carries a gun. All the cops know it. Mm-hmm. So why fight that system? They right. don't. They just assume you've got one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The idea that some bureaucrat somewhere can say, no, you've been bad enough, you can't carry a gun. Yeah. I don't trust you. You can't carry a gun. Yeah. Luckily for you in Wyoming, you haven't gotten a lot of... I know there's some, but you haven't gotten a lot of... I'm not talking about NRA, though. Yeah, I That's know. That's Mm-hmm. hmm Yeah. By the way, shout out to Elf- Elfster's Rifles and Reloading. He was out there shooting with us um, in North Carolina. I don't know if you remember Elfster's. Oh, yeah. I remember. Yeah. So he's, uh, he's in the chat there. Um... Yeah, let me see. The worst, the uh, there was a comment from JB I wanted to get to real quick here. He says, "I haven't been an NRA member in four years, yet the amount of calls, emails, and packets of mail. Think of the time and costs, and how many others our money is wasted with the NRA. It's the same thing with me. I mean, when I was giving them money, okay. I know the I I actually know the answer to this one. It's rare, Mm -hmm. but I know the answer. Mm -hmm. The reason you get those calls and those mailers." is because every time they do one, they make $1.4 million after they pay overhead. (laughs) Wow. So it might be an annoyance. And yes, that junk mail fills up your trash can. Mm -hmm. But it's a moneymaker. That's why they do it. Mm -hmm. I got one today. And I had to educate the gal on the call that she had my membership level wrong and I am running for the board. I'm fully aware of what's going on. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And she spent 20 minutes still trying to sell me the wrong membership. These are call centers that don't even know what they're doing. Mm-hmm. That stuff's got to stop. Mm-hmm. 
I think that's one of the things that upsets a lot of people out there that, Absolutely. you know, um, once they get your money, they don't know you again until it's time to get your money again. They don't really care what you think about anything. They don't care if you're paying attention to this stuff and you don't like what's happening. They're just on the money, the money train, you know. Hey, we're going to get this money from you. And they've gotten lots of life memberships and people. I know that's not going to keep them running indefinitely. Well, the mindset is if I buy a life membership, they'll leave me alone. No, they won't. No. Nope. They, they want more money. That's Donate. right. Yeah. You know, it's like taxation without representation. That's exactly what it is. Yeah. Yeah. So this, the, that's the big structure that needs to be changed. Because with all those people there, they should be able to make these guys pay attention, but it just seems like they can't. You know, the only thing that's happened since everyone's been doing this is that they restructured everything and circled the wagons tighter, basically. So that's right. That's where the membership has to get involved and hold them accountable, force an audit. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, uh, so hold on a second. So Tim, uh, so uh, Armament and Axis says, "How do they make money doing that again?" Is a question mark. He doesn't understand how they make money. And it's Tim Davis says that is not for profit fundraising. Huh? It's the law of averages. There's enough people that say yes and give them their money. Yeah. At the end of the day, most people are not aware of what's going on. We don't have the money to make the robocalls or send the mail outs to people to say, you know, don't give any more money to the NRA, demand they pay attention. We can't do that. So they're still able to. I, I keep saying to you guys, they have most of those five million members still intact. That's right. You know, so somehow we've got to be able to talk to those guys. Um, it's going to be interesting to see what happens um, at this at this year's meeting. Um, like I said, I'm not going there. Uh, do you guys? So you're not going, right, Daniel? Uh, I, I got a few things going on right now, but okay. um, I was kind of wanting to go. Um, mm -hmm. I'm, I'm going to be meeting up with Hootie Who and those guys down there okay. around that same time. I'll be in the area. Yeah. So if you make it, I will be there. Yes. Come see. Yeah, absolutely. Where are you going to be, Jason? And what are you going to be doing there this year? I'm going to be walking the floor. I'm going to be talking to members. I'm going to be talking to board members. Mm -hmm. um, I have some friends in the NRA business I have to do. Mm -hmm. um, my company works with that as well as, as I run my own chapter local. Mm -hmm. um, I'm on the grant board for my state. Um, so I'm, I'm going to be fairly busy with some of that. Mm -hmm. But I'm going to be walking the floor talking to people. I'm going to be engaging membership, talking to them. Mm -hmm. um, hopefully getting that message across of pay attention, get involved. Mm -hmm. There's nothing else. Do those two things mm -hmm. and this organization will change. Yeah. Uh, uh, so, Tim Davis says, why can my two lifetime member minor children not vote for board of director candidates? Minor children is the key phrase there. Yeah. They're not, yeah, they're not letting them vote. They are happy to take their money. No, that's where they membership. took their parents' money in trust. Yeah. Right, 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 right. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So there you go. Um, uh, Elfster says, I don't know. Okay, Elfster says, I might have missed it, but I believe the PSA custom scope uh, 6 to 24 is a rebranded Lucid Optics. Do we Not a complete rebrand, but yes, we do develop that one for PSA. Yeah. Um, oh. We've done a few things different for them, um, but at the end of the day, 
Some of the similarities are overwhelming. Yes, it is similar to what we produce currently. Oh, okay. What can we talk about? What the differences are on the on the PSA version, or not in complete detail? I haven't got the release to do that oh, just yet. Okay. But we are developing that optic for PSA. Oh, okay. All right. Big Dre three five seven says he's going to be at the NRA filming and seeing what happens. Big Dre, you should get in touch with Jason from Lucid Optics. You know, um, uh, I hope. JasonLucidOptics.com. Send me an email. Yeah, I hope something. I hope something good happens there uh, in terms of what we're trying to do. I mean, we've got to get these guys to like open up the gates and listen, right. and listen to the people. Otherwise, is there a point, Jason? And I know we're running we're running short on time here, but is there a point, a theoretical point in your mind where you can reach to and go, okay, I don't think there's anything more that we can do here. I'm not willing to give up yet, so I'm not seeing that piece. Okay. Um, there may come a point in the future, mm -hmm. but I'm a fighter, and I believe this fight is valid and worthy of my time. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, Night Train says, I wonder who counts the votes for the NRA board elections. After all, it was Joe Stalin who said, it's not the people who vote that count, it's the people who count the votes. <laughs> He's got a really good point, yep. and I've asked that question directly, and one of the meetings I've got at the interannual annual meetings with three board of directors that are supposed to answer that for me. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, great question. Yeah, yes. If When you find out the answer to that, you need to let us know. I'll text you. Um, yeah, that will be very uh, important. Tim Davis says, I'm planning on going to the annual meeting if they do not close it down. Do you think that it's possible it will be closed down because of uh, viruses and illnesses that are abound? It's entirely possible. Um, I think in the time frame that we're talking about, unlikely. Okay, yeah, at this point, what do we have, like two weeks before this thing? How far out? Uh, no, let's see, at the end of April. And the so, April, okay, so yeah, we've got we've got a couple, we've got, we got a couple five, weeks. yeah, five weeks or so, um, for before that, uh, let's see, um, so DCG forty four is here's his comment real quick here. He says, um, an NRA dirty little secret is they have five million members on the rolls, but not in real life. It is like Democrats, dead people are on the books. Do you think that's true? I, I asked that question directly, mm -hmm. and uh, actually one of my good friends, uh, Colonel Brown, um, Soldier of Fortune magazine, he's on the board of directors. Mm -hmm. He's helping me track down that answer at the meetings this year. Mm -hmm. Okay. All right. Yeah. So if you – you know what? We'll have Jason come back after after the NRA if you're, if you're <laughs> open to that, Jason. Yeah, I can actually campaign then too, so that'll be yeah, good. Yeah, absolutely, because you have to wait until afterwards to start your campaign, right? That's right. Okay, yeah, so we'll definitely do that. We'll definitely help you out with that campaign. I know there's lots of people out there that are lifetime members or folks that have been continuously, because you have to have been a continuous member for five years in order to vote, right? I believe I that's correct, yes. Yeah, I believe that's still, I don't think they've changed that yet. Um, so we'll, we'll do everything that we can do to get you in there. Did you want to say something, Daniel, before we start wrapping up? Uh, no. Okay. Okay, cool. All right. So let's do this. I'm going to, um, I'm going to try to get from Daniel and Jason the best ways to contact them and everything. Cause we've got a few minutes left here. I'll start with Daniel. How can the folks out there follow you, support you, contact you, etc. 
you could find me pretty much on all the all the social medias. Now my logo has changed. Have you noticed that? Yes, I noticed. It's a three D. Is that three D or just a picture? I don't. It's a floating head. Yeah. Oh, it's cool. a pen. <laughs> Oh. <laughs> but uh, yeah, you can find me on the the Twitter, the Instagram, the YouTube, mm -hmm. Dundalk TV. Mm -hmm. I'm everywhere. Awesome. Find me on full gun streamer. Awesome, awesome. Yeah. There you go. And Jason, for um, for all the folks out there who would like to uh, communicate with you, if you could just go through how they can, or where would you like them to follow you on social media? Uh, my my access is real simple. You can find me on Instagram and Facebook. Look up Lucid Optics. Like I said, if it looks like it belongs on a firearm, that's us. Mm -hmm. uh, you want to reach me directly? It's real simple. Jason at lucidoptics.com. Boom. There you go. So here's what I'm going to do. Um, I want to, while we're wrapping this up here, I want to thank Jason from Lucid Optics for coming on. Uh, Michael Avon says you've got his vote. Um, we probably didn't get to all the stuff we wanted to get to at Optics because we got we got into the NRA thing. It got heated, Jason. It got heated. We didn't even. I had other things to talk about. I'll come back. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you have to come back. Um, same thing, Daniel. It was great having you. Um, uh, I want to thank you as well for coming on. You guys need to go follow these guys if you are in the market for a scope here. Please, you know, consider Lucid Optics. Okay, and um, what was it, Hank Twenty? Gets you 20% off on the Lucid Optics site, huh? Oh, Strange 20, sorry, Strange 20. Lola Strange 20. Yeah, Strange 20 gets you 20% off on Lucid's uh, site. If you forget that or whatever, hit me up on social media. I will remind you of it. I'll make some posts and stuff like that. Uh, check them out and then let us know what you think about it also. You know, just, I'm not trying to make you guys go out there and just get it without, give, give us the feedback. We'll be happy to do that. We'll be happy to get Jason to come on. And, you know, if you need some instructions on, on where to put your matchsticks and your batteries <laughs> and things like that, we can help get that worked out. Okay, everyone stay right there. I am going to drop the end right now. Press the button for the end. Make sure you guys subscribe here to the channel. Thumbs up, leave your comments and all that kind of stuff. Of course, ring the bell so you can be notified when we go live with the podcast. And you can also check out the podcast on audio at your favorite places to listen to podcasts, people all over the world were internationally known and locally accepted with the podcast. Shout out to all those folks who actually listen to us. Um, also, shout out to Franklin Armory that helped sponsor this. Shout out to all of you folks out there. We appreciate you coming through. Thanks once again to Jason of Lucid Optics as well as Daniel of Gun Doctor TV. We are out of here. You guys have any final words for the peoples? Yeah, final words? Oh, we're good. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Go to HankStrange.com then. Go to HankStrange.com. Go to HankStrange.com. Yes. And you can find our merch is on Ballistic Inc. The Hank Strange store is there. I will see you guys tomorrow. Tomorrow's the last day for this week, and then we'll take the rest of the week off. We'll see you guys. Peace.